0: three, four. You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I justify our jobs as research directors by describing the value of our industry trade associations. We'll talk about how People for Bikes, the Outdoor Industry Association, and other similar outdoor recreation-focused industry trade associations can help brands navigate markets during both the good times and the challenging times. Let's get into it.
1: Uh, So what are we talking about today? Are we going to talk about consumers today, or are we going with a different one?
0: Let's go with our um, trade associations first.
1: Right, right. All
0: right, so how- Why am I here again? (laughs) Why? Yeah, why are we here? Why does anybody care? Um, What are we doing that's different from what a research position or like a research department in a larger organization might be doing um, just for like a private company? Why do our two organizations, the Outdoor Industry Association and People for Bikes exist? And like, what value do we provide our members in and, and the greater landscape of outdoor recreation as a whole?
1: Yeah, I wish you picked a bigger question. I mean, this is kind of so <laughs> uh, yeah. and especially, you know, we're in I think we're in a, in a fairly dynamic market space. I think we're in a fairly dynamic world right now in the sense that everything seems to be changing and, you know, organizations have to adapt and and change with, the times, and I know that my organization is working very hard to make that transition. And I think People for Bikes is probably working just as hard to make that transition. Yeah. But one thing I know that research can do is is help internally our organizations understand what is going on in the market, so they can adapt appropriately, provide their members value. And I'll let you take the 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 next the next step, which is why is research valuable to the market?
0: Yeah. Well, you you said it a second ago, like. I I don't want to harp on the outdoor industry too much, the outdoor rec industry, just like broadly, all, all these companies and organizations that are involved in hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, skiing, cycling, but it's really easy for these groups to be stuck in like a business as usual mindset. You know, we've been selling the same products to the same outdoor recreation folks for a number of years, and that's served a lot of companies well for a long, long time, but Times change, markets change, participants change. The activities we're doing are changing, and COVID turned everything on its head and forced companies to reconcile the fact that uh, business as usual isn't going to hack it anymore. All of a sudden, you're you're contending with e-commerce sources for a lot of your products. Um, the way people are researching and purchasing products is changing. How do we How do we learn about what they're doing and make use of that information to position our individual company in a favorable light? Um, it's, it's huge. And, and, you know, to kind of zoom out further than just the individual making the purchase is the individual doing the activity and like, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? Um, is someone riding a bike for exercise? Is someone riding a bike to and from the store? These are like different activities. And, and there's so many different ways to engage in activities now. And, um, and understanding why someone's doing it, why someone might not be doing it, like what they want to do next. Um, I'm riding a lot of gravel now, and I want to get more into road cycling, like whatever it may be. That's what we want to help the industry understand is where folks are and where they're going and how companies can position themselves to to make use of that information.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and it's multi-layered. And one thing that you and I have to do that we wouldn't necessarily have to do if we work for a single company is really understand the, the, the entire market, not just as vis-a-vis our company, but what's going on across the market. And that's, you know, all of the economic trends, all of the social trends, all of the fashion trends, um, understanding a variety of consumers that cross over and do a whole bunch of different things in the outdoor space and understanding their behavior understanding how they buy and how various trends are are actually pushing that and providing that information in in digestible form to our members so that they can use it and act on it you know if they if they understand right now that the consumer their their typical consumer is is worried about inflation still has still has disposable income but is thinking a lot more about how they're spending that and about how they're spending their time and if if we could provide deeper insights on what outdoor or participants are thinking, especially in terms of their buying behavior as we approach the holidays is going to be of great value to our our members. And, you know, that's, I think we're here to provide a clear view of the market to our members. And actually, you know, in some cases, uh, depending on what level of service we're providing to that member, um, we can provide members up to like custom market research services. We're actually going into databases and doing custom searches for them as members of our organization. So it's, we're really, honestly, we're just, we're the homework doers. We're chief homework geek Mm -hmm. for each of our industries.
0: Yeah. I stop a little bit short of that at people for bikes and, um, and we don't do too many like custom polls, but any data that we have, even if it's like our primary research, we fielded a a survey and we have all these responses. If someone wants that, they're more than welcome to take all of that raw data and do whatever they want with it. Um, yeah. Right. Like it's, it's their dues that pay for it. Why wouldn't people for bikes want to share whatever we got? Like, Take it, to Yeah, we do the same I thing.
1: It. I think I think it's you know it's a matter of deciding how you're going to spend your time and every once in a while, yeah, you know I get a member that really needs something. Yeah, I'll do something custom for him because I'm nice, Patrick. <laughs> I'm not implying that you're not. No, no, no. Now I'm going no, no. to now I'm gonna force you yeah. to do the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, great. Just for
1: what? Just for one, two, or three. You know, whatever you have time for. Come
0: on. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I want to go back to what you were saying a second ago, talking about like the whole market. I like the way that you positioned our trade associations as like contextualizing the whole landscape for an individual company that might be really laser focused on like a niche product or a niche activity, understanding what's happening, like zooming out just a little bit really helps get an understanding of like how we all fit into this puzzle and where the overall trends are going. Zooming out from that little niche is... Like imperative in order to be successful in the long run.
1: No doubt, and uh, you know, keep in mind that we also have to provide um, research for policy initiatives, advocacy initiatives um sometimes yeah. we have to provide hard data to media so that they so that they can talk about what's going on in the marketplace and it's sort of our job to be you know the eye in our market really understand all of the different behaviors that are going on from wholesale behavior to consumer behavior we have to be able to understand that and tell that story so that our members understand what's going on in the market
0: yeah i haven't had too many media requests as of late but during like late spring and summer of 2020. I'm sure your phone looked like my phone, just like call (laughs) after call from, um, from local newspapers, from like national media companies from like all over. Um, Hey, I heard that, you know, there's no bikes to sell. What do you have to say? Like, well, let's, um, yeah, let's tell that story.
1: No doubt. Yeah. I'm expecting the, uh, the snow sports stories start here pretty soon. I mean, long yeah. lead stories started a while ago, but you know now everybody's starting to talk about La Niña. I mean, I think once we get through the hurricane in, in Florida, then. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll see what that looks like, but it's yeah, it's it's interesting. I've been talking to media a lot about it. two things: luxury market and secondhand market. Like those are the two big subjects lately,
0: mm-hmm. and it's actually yeah.
1: fun to just to chat with media and see what they're hearing because you know they have the zeitgeist. They know what's up. They know what's going on, and and so to a certain extent, it's a, I use it as a little bit of a feedback loop. But yeah, they're they're excited to talk about new trends right now, and as we come out of the the pandemic and move into this endemic stage where we can start measuring behavior and building a baseline. Yeah, everybody's interested. And everybody's guessing. Everybody is guessing about what's going to happen. And it's hard. I mean you and I project data. So we don't have a lot of data project now. Yeah. So everybody's just sort of wondering, you know, what does it look like? And and I know you and I rely on several data sets just to try and keep that just try and keep that view fairly clear. But yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, which makes our jobs even more important and more exciting. If we can sniff out a trend for our members early, (laughs) oh my God, what an advantage. It's so much of an advantage to ride on the front of the wave.
0: You mentioned another function of our associations is to lobby. Uh, What does that look like? What does that well, like actually
1: in, mean? I mean, for outdoor, that means things like, you know, um, lobbying for various features and things like the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, some we won some, we lost some. Like we, we lost yeah. the subsidy for electric bikes, for example. Yeah. Um, a lot of our policy and advocacy work focuses on trade. So you know, work on miscellaneous tariff bills and and all kinds of specific trades and tariffs that that to a certain extent have hamstrung certain certain aspects of our industry. Certain certain of our members are you know paying huge tariffs and had to raise our prices and their sales mm-hmm. predictably went down. So you know we're we're advocating for our members and we're advocating for you know action on climate change and sustainability as well. You know it's it, we think that it's pretty important to protect our environment and um, so we're working hard. On that front, and manufacturers and outdoor um, sustainability has become a brand feature that that their customers yeah. expect. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, there are intersections here between research and advocacy that are pretty clear and sustainability is one of those areas. So, yeah, there's it's it's um it's a really big job. right? <laughs> now that we start <laughs> talking about it, I'm like, holy crap. I don't know if one person can do this, which is one of the reasons I love talking to you for, you know, an hour every week. So you know we can yeah. we can trade gossip and we can spill the tea on what's going on in outdoor and bike
0: even just commiserating on how big of a job you and I both have i think is is a lot of it um being lead, the two like know, lead researchers at our our organizations you know i don't want to be
1: whiny when actually i'm super grateful
0: <laughs> no. oh yeah without a doubt no i i love my job i've only ever worked in outdoor i only ever want to work in outdoor it's a it's a lot of work and it's um no it's constantly changing and i I just got to the cycling industry uh, or I I got to this post in the cycling industry in May of 2020, which is probably the wildest time there ever was in the cycling industry in the last, at least in the last 20 years. Yeah, I love the challenge and I love the people like cycling and all of the rest of the outdoor rec activities are filled with people that I like to hang out with. I don't want to go work in a boring corporate job.
1: Eh, so to some extent, you know, research is always going to be a bit of a boring corporate job because really at the bottom at the bottom line we do math for a living. But I'm finding that, um, you know, one of the one of the main things that we can do for our industries is make sure that we're communicating, you know, what we're learning. Yeah, we can we can analyze data all day long. We can we can talk to people about trends all day long. But unless we're doing a good job of communicating that, um, then we might as well just put our pencils down and walk away.
0: No, that's that's exactly right. And that's why we're here, because we you and I have a lot of information. You and I have a lot of insights to share. And and like there's there's a lot to be gained by getting that information out in, in as many ways as possible.
1: And at OIA, Oh yeah, we're communicating, trying, yeah. Yeah. We're trying all kinds of new things. In addition to this podcast, which obviously is going to be a great success. We've shooting got, straight to
0: the top of the charts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, out.
1: Look out Spotify, <laughs> right. but we're trying, we're trying everything. I mean, I send data snacks to our social media team on a weekly basis, like just fun little tidbits of information. That you know, just just um, might entertain, but also might educate.
0: I love data snacks. I'm gonna steal that.
1: I think th- I've said data snippets knowledge.
0: forever. That's no fun. Data snippets are boring. Data snacks are cool. Everyone likes snacks. Right.
1: Everybody loves snacks. That way you can think of it in different ways. To the construct works. You can make them salty, spicy, sweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I also like how it plays in the metaphor of like being easily digestible. You know. Yeah. That's it's so huge. I, I've said it before. Our work is great, but if we don't like communicate it to our members and the rest of the industry and and other like stakeholders, I know for cycling, there's a lot of folks in local government and state government um, that are interested in cycling from the transportation side. Um and, and they want to know what's happening too. If we don't communicate our work, it's worthless. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything if no one's using it to change what they're doing in a meaningful way.
1: Yeah, um, I think I, I kind of think of it the same way I think about actually engaging in activity outdoors. I mean, yeah, you know, you can say you're a trail runner, but you can't if you run the same loop every day, you're going to get bored. If I if I only publish the same reports every year, sure, people are going to get used to that, and and there's a, there's a you know some comfort in yes. in that stability. But you know, if we don't start. Finding ways to communicate the real knowledge that could get out there and excite people, and and actually bring people into the outdoors, and both from the business side and the participation side. You know, I'm all about that. Like just just as an example, like the participation study, as as you know, is chock full of data. All right, I can write a hundred page reports on that all day long. But little pieces of data like this. Did you know that seniors, and and I'm using that loosely because jesus i might fit in this category these days but people 55 and over during the pandemic that that cohort increased by 14 like they went nuts outdoors wow. and and they're and they're and they're staying out there so just That's a little good they got to money like, to spend
0: too i love that
1: i can love that demographic so <laughs> much they have time yeah. they have money they have passion they they don't have kids anymore you know <laughs> they're they're actually looking to. Have kids in home looking anymore. for their life again. They're they are yeah. ripe for the picking. You know, sorry demographic. That's me too. But just a little tidbit like that can spark a conversation that allows you to talk about all kinds of aspects of participation. Or you know, say that to a rito and all of a sudden they're thinking, "Wow, man, I've got a lot of seniors in my in you know in my in my little." um regional area, I think maybe I could do a better job of reaching out to them. If they're gonna be the if they're the ones that are outside and spending money, I want to reach them. I mean just yeah. having a little itty bitty piece of information that can spark a conversation, key.
0: Spark that's a conversation strategy. and like and and initiate change too. Maybe that's yeah. unnecessary. But
1: I don't I don't know. I don't know if I'm vain enough to think that. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah I, I I am a very optimistic consumer research guy. I like to think that yeah, I know it's unrealistic, but. Um,
1: Patrick Hogan, yeah, the world's first activist researcher.
0: Optimist. I'm not an activist. I'm an optimist. Um,
1: optimist? Yeah, just that.
0: Yeah. Well, you might it, be the world's cases, first optimistic yeah.
1: researcher, too. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but I, I like to think that our stakeholders are making use of the information to like change what they're doing and, and actually tackle a, a corner of the market where there's an opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise been aware of. I think like that's that's what's exciting to me is being able to highlight opportunities and and hoping that folks are um, engaging on those opportunities.
1: Yeah, me too. And, and frankly, you know, I've been searching them out. We just got access to a new database. It's a consumer intelligence database called Civic Science. It's pretty pretty incredible. And since I don't think most of the people listening to this are going to be researchers, I won't go into the, into the details of it, but I was just, sur- I was surfing around in it the other day to try and try and figure out you know, what people were thinking about fashion and what they were thinking about crossover. And and I got down to to data, reliable data. I mean, there were, there were something like 365,000 responses. So the N was 365,000 on this. And it had to do with what outdoor participants. And there are a couple of categories, including like there was one that was fish and camp. There was one that was run. There was one that was hike only, right? And then there was one that was bike and hike. I didn't isolate the bike one, but you know, we'll talk about that, you know, when we start bartering research. But what it showed was that there were very, very different attitudes by, and and it showed it by age and by gender and by attitudes towards fashion. I mean, imagine that. So... I was hmm. talking to media today, so let's put it all together in a nutshell how this all yeah. worked. So I'm, I'm I'm thinking about I'm looking at the data, right? I'm thinking about you know what I what I need to communicate to my audience about this data. When I got a call from somebody that was that was writing an article about the luxury market, and they were looking at the the intersection of fashion and outerwear, and it was we were calling it Core. You know, that's, that is, that's Corp actually core. the name of the trick. core is when high fashion, where high fashion meets tech, right? And you see people, mm-hmm. the sort of urban, the urban outdoors people that are out there, you know, and they're in their super expensive Canada goose and Arcteryx and <laughs> you know, yeah. you're like, holy shit, dude, your, your kit there costs about $5,000 and you're really going to need that in the climate controlled environment of Starbucks.
0: Yeah. That's for crazy. the, for the walk yeah. from the subway to the office building. Yeah. Totally I mean, but
1: that said, I'm not looking down my nose at that group. I am happy they're here. And you yeah. uh, know, they are they are absolutely warmly welcomed into my industry. But it it really only accounts for about 10%. But that 10% that where that believe that high fashion is important, but they want they want to be outdoorsy too. Yeah. I can help people target that 10%. I love those people. I love being able to, to look at the market and say, okay, this is a trend that's happening. This is a niche. It's a market niche niche that's involved in this that you can target and is available to you. So you I think wanna, you're if, optimistic if State too. If and Dolce and & Gabbana want to do some kind of a project together, they, that's going to sell. And two thumbs up, and that that breeds brand awareness on both sides. Brand awareness for outdoor in fashion, and brand awareness for fashion and outdoor. I love it.
0: You're teeing up our future episode about like crossover participation and crossover consumers pretty well.
1: Yeah, I can't help it. I'm sort of obsessed <laughs> with
0: the idea. It's that. all tied together. No, no, no. I, I I, love that. That was great. You mentioned earlier something about holidays and this is going to take us off topic for a second, but like, what do you, how do you feel that um, seasonal spending patterns might have changed since covid Do you think they've remained the same or do you think they've shifted at all?
1: I think they've shifted. Yeah. I mean, and I think I they've think shifted in a number of ways. I think that, that um, typically a consumer spends more on holiday shopping after the COVID pandemic, which we'll find out. I mean, this is just a hypothesis because mm-hmm. I'm just going to make the point over and over and over again that we don't have enough data to project, so everybody's just guessing,
0: right? Yeah, we've it feels got, like a long time since our shutdown, but, but really, if you're thinking about the not, way that, that good research is conducted, it's only been a minute, and there's yeah. no historic data that we can lean on and go, well, the last time there was a global pandemic, this happened because that was the Spanish flu. Um, I actually went back it. and
1: looked in 1918, 1919, 1920 to find yeah. out what happened. And and really there wasn't a lot talked about because you know we were about to get into all kinds of global trouble and other other trends took hold, right? So yeah. there was like a moment of celebration. And and then war. <laughs> Let's. I'm. I'm sort of keeping my fingers crossed that we don't have that pattern again. But no. Sure. I, I see. I think we're collecting baseline data right now, and maybe even, yeah, maybe exactly. not. We might still be in limbo from a data standpoint. But we're get We've got to start collecting it, and we'll we'll see. We'll see whether or not we're in limbo in about five years. Woohoo! Is it is yeah. research great? <laughs> but that's what we have to do. I mean, there's no way around it. I wish there was a shortcut. I would love to be you know the great the great oracle at at you know maryland <laughs> that everybody could come to and get an, an actual valid you know look into the future but that's just nobody can do it right now yeah obviously the economy is going to affect spending over the holidays but attitudinally i think there's been a shift and i think people are are looking to celebrate and celebrate being around family and togetherness and i think some of that is going to to fuel um some healthy holiday shopping this year so I don't, I, you know, I think we're in for, for probably, you know, not a huge increase, um, Mm -hmm. you know, year over year. However, I think, I think holiday sales will, will be robust and it sure helps that gas prices are down, right? That was, that's a huge suck on the American consumer when gas prices are up. So that's, that's helpful. I mean, it'd be helpful if it happened in California too obviously, but um, California's gas prices are still about $2 above.
0: Yeah, I was there two weeks ago, and it was staggering.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, we still have inflation. Now, you know, we're looking at at a teetering housing market uh, and and probably a lot of people that are getting ready to be underwater on fairly large mortgages. So, yeah, I think that there there are a lot of dynamics at play, and we're watching all of them, you know, but Mm -hmm. all... All other things being equal, my favorite research term ever, all other the things being equal, I think we'll have a pretty robust holiday shopping season and outdoor specifically. And um, people are going to be getting their hands on things that they weren't able to get their hands on for the yeah. past two years um, f- for various reasons, supply chain disruption. Um, and I think that I think. That people are going to continue to go outside. I mean, the the participation data indicates they're still doing the you know the the hiking. I mean, they're still fishing. and yeah. They're still camping and they're still biking like crazy. They're still biking. Totally. So yeah, I'm 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 optimistic, just like you.
0: That's it. That's what I was hoping for. I was hoping that I could turn you back to that optimism. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the participation data. That's from the Physical Activity Council, right? That the OIA... Correct publishes and people for bikes is also published for our members
1: well Um. you know how many there's so many of us that participate in the physical activity council i mean to make that clear that's that's people for bikes that's oia that's sia that's sports and fitness industries association national golf foundation national tennis foundation usa football health and racket clubs and the list goes on i mean it is the participation study Mm -hmm. in physical activity and in some things that are barely physical activities right we cover 122 different categories and not not, not to tee up my what will probably be my favorite episode ever, crossover participation, but the advantage is, number one, that we can all spend money and get a get a better study done because we're pooling our money. And second, we get crossover data on all 122 activities. So that lets me know things like, gee, you know, the number one crossover activity in snowboarding? Bowling. Go figure. <laughs> right?
0: Bowling. That's bizarre. Things you can
1: do while you're drinking beer. And you know, I think golf kind of oh, in there too.
0: Yeah, but,
1: and it's it's a really important study. Um, it's it's probably the best of its kind. Um, there there is some competition yeah, we'll out down. there, but you know, all of us use it, and all of us rely on that data to to really understand what the what the American participant is doing out there, mm-hmm. and how often they're doing it, and who they are. Who are these people, Patrick? Who are they?
0: Let's figure it out.
1: I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I got the I got the mean. I finally got the mean income for all of outdoor today. Oh yeah. The mean mean household income for uh, for an outdoor participant is about seventy seven thousand dollars a year. Okay. Yeah. What is it? Do you know what it is? I don't want to put you on the spot, man. But what is it for bike?
0: I don't know. Mean, not median. I don't know.
1: Yeah. We could have fun explaining the difference between mean and medium.
0: We don't need to turn this into a math nerd podcast. No one wants to listen to that. Nope. Hey, go back to high school algebra for a minute. Why?
1: Well, I'm never uh, going to use it. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Get out of here.
1: Ironically, I was one of those kids. And then we were it you was really? making a living doing algebra. <laughs> Not the first thing I was wrong about, nor yeah. would be the last.
0: That's too funny.
1: I think this podcast might be a little bit about us, you know, justifying our jobs. But you know, one of the things I wanted to mention, and this is to anybody that is thinking about an OIA membership and hasn't hasn't purchased one yet, that a lot of small and medium-sized companies can't afford any kind of sophisticated market research, and we're here to provide that for you. I mean, we're here to 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 cover that base. For members up to and including, you know, a little extra service if you need it. And I will talk Patrick into providing that for you, you know, as I do, I
0: do that. I do. I'm not saying <laughs> that I send everyone packing. I just, uh, we, we have some individuals who will, um, who just, you know,
1: They'll take advantage. Don't, of don't
0: have an in-house researcher. No, no, no. I don't want to say that, but they don't have an inter- in-house research group and they want to, um, customize some stuff. And, uh, I, I have to weigh my time for an individual organization against my time serving all of our member organizations. And uh, there, there's a balance that we have to strike. But we do yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like we are that resource for a lot, a lot of groups. We have 320 member organizations. And there's some really, really big groups in there. And there's some really, really tiny groups in there. And those tiny groups and those medium groups are receiving uh, like research and data as a member benefit that they wouldn't otherwise have any access to. And that's so huge. Like we said earlier, like just to contextualize the rest of the market, to understand who's participating, why they're participating, why other folks want to participate, but haven't yet participated. Um, And that's, that's the important stuff.
1: Yeah. I was just baiting you into talking about how you're so valuable because you are, I know it. You're mm, awesome. Mm-hmm. No, no, no kidding. Um, I, I really, <laughs> That's why
0: I've invited you here to just to compliment you. I, well, I appreciate that. You know,
1: I was going to charge you like $70 an hour for 20 minutes of affirmations and... <laughs> That seems to be the uh, going rate.
0: Kelly, charging is not your strong suit, as I understand, because you got those headphones sitting on the wall charger right now. So I don't They're think...
1: charging. Hey, they're charging. <laughs> Sometimes I just forget until the last minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'll be $500. Thank you. Yeah, Do by the think... time we're done with this, ironically, they'll be fully charged. They'll be ready yeah. to go. I'll be all set up. Uh, Live we'll and learn, keep them.
0: Man. Yeah, keep them charged up for Monday.
1: Well yeah, basically I know I'm gonna get trolled forever now because of this mistake and you know I will never make the mistake again.
0: What are friends for?
1: Yeah, you know, actually, it's a pretty that's a pretty good service to keep me from making mistakes quite. so I'll take that. Yeah.
0: Our roles here are really to make not just to do the research but to communicate out that research, make sure that everyone has access to everything that we do. It's so important that like we make all of our work easily digestible. And at the same time, like I, I'm really big on creating like technical reports and sharing out raw data because there are some companies that will have a data person on staff. Uh, we make all that stuff available. We make raw data available. We make um, any like technical reports available because there are like data individuals or, or research individuals in a company that want to use that and anything that we have, we want to share out because our our whole goal is to um, just add value. So yeah, just. Whatever we can do to to get information out there so that folks can use it to make decisions.
1: Yeah, same here. And um I think if there's if if there's one thing anybody remembers about this podcast, I want it to be data snacks.
0: Data snacks.
1: Data snacks. Data snacks. You need a data snack? I bet you need a data snack. Aren't you hungry? Let's stop I'm gonna go get a little package. Go <laughs> <little> <laughs> yeah,
0: I could <can> be convinced.
1: <sighs>
0: cool. All right, let's go get some data snacks.
1: Sweet. Let's get some data snacks.
0: Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.